This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. You can download their free guide entitled The Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. You can download it today at netsuite.com. It's Monday, June 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today. Up from Florida, it's Dan Klein. Good to see you. Oh, nice to see you. You all tan and <laughs> I'm always tan. It's yeah, always summer in that's, Florida. That's true. That's true. And my people don't. You know, we're pale, so we don't do that. Uh, we've got entertainment news. We're going to talk about the current state of the burger industry. We are going to start with the deal of the day because once again, Merger Monday has lived up to its title. Uh, this time in the casino industry, uh, El Dorado. Is acquiring Caesars Entertainment. This is maybe this shouldn't be curious. It's a little curious just from the standpoint of this is the from a market cap standpoint. This is the smaller company acquiring the larger company. Certainly the better known company in Caesars, and I think the people at El Dorado recognize that because they've immediately come out and said that the resulting casino company will be branded Caesars. Yeah, I mean El Dorado. I knew them as a furniture chain. I'd never even heard of them as a casino company because their casino properties are in offbeat places for the most part. And it marries really well with Caesars. So Caesars has been under fire for underperformance. There's been a lot of pressure to do something to change management. And this is actually kind of the perfect deal because it gives Caesars a presence in places like Florida. So I live down the street about an hour from six or seven different off brand secondary casinos and one hard rock. And I usually go to the Hard Rock, but now I'm going to go to the Isle Casino, which is an El Dorado property, because I am a Caesars loyalty member. And I think that's the part of this that's being underplayed. It's going to give Caesars a presence in a lot of markets where people are going to say, geez, I'm, I'm in Louisiana. Which casino am I going to go to? Oh, I'll go to the one where I already have the card, where I'm already getting perks. So I think there's a huge sort of synergy here. And then the other piece of it is this gives them a sports gambling potential uh, you know, bigger imprint, a lot more states, and they have the infrastructure. Even places that are going to let you do it electronically are probably still going to need a casino to provide the infrastructure. And this positions Caesars really well. So, I'm curious... Um, I'm going to pump the brakes for a second. <laughs> Just in this regard, when you look at what's happening with these stocks today, shares of El Dorado down about 10%, and it's entirely possible, if not probable, that people think they are paying too much for this. The buyout price uh, for Caesars is $12.75 a share. Right now, it's trading about 10 to 15% below that. Uh, let's put it in gaming terms. If you're <laughs> if you're at a casino, are you betting that this deal goes through as it is currently constructed? I do think the deal is going to go through, and I think the problem with the casino market overall is oversaturation. So we were talking this morning, uh, Matt Franklin and I, often on our podcast uh, about the New England area. And when I lived in New England three years ago, there was Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun about an hour away. There was Atlantic City about five hours, six hours right. away. Atlantic City, not in New England. That was it. 
Now, there's an MGM in Springfield, which would have been 25 minutes from where I lived, the casino in Everett, Mass., which is a Boston suburb, open today. So, who's going to close? Because it doesn't seem to me that the casual buses of old people who went to Mohegan Sun to have lunch and play bingo, why wouldn't they go to Springfield or Everett? Or So, it does feel like there's going to be some shakeout in the industry, but if you look at where a lot of these Caesars and Eldorado properties are located, they're the only player in town. Like we were at the Horseshoe last night, in which is a Baltimore. It's the only downtown Baltimore casino. It's near the the baseball stadium. It's very well positioned for what it is. Same thing with the the one near me in Pompano Beach. It's sort of off from the concentration in the Miami area of all the casinos. So they all have sort of a natural constituency. But I wouldn't buy this deal for what's going to happen two years from now. I'd buy this deal for 10 years on the horizon when we figured out sports gambling and hefty casino companies. You're going to see a ton of consolidation and you're going to see closures. And I think Caesars will be a winner because I'm, of that. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's that's where I was going next. Is okay, so we now have, assuming this deal goes through, we now have the largest owner and operator of US casinos. This seems like one of those industries where um, being bigger is better. And uh, I'm curious, I was going to ask you, like, okay, so should I be buying this? Should I be buying shares of El Dorado sort of on the the drop here? Uh, But it seems like uh, on the flip side, they're going to have to spend a lot of money, not just because Caesars comes with a lot of debt, but also because. They're, they may want to do uh, some level of rebranding, or I, I guess I should say, we expect they're going to do some level of rebranding. It's just a question of how much. They're going to be spending money. Yeah, and they have to integrate the loyalty programs. They have to think about whether they're going to change some of the names. Does it make sense to have an Eldorado, or should it be a Harris? <laughs> like, um, and I, I don't think you can underestimate the value of the Caesars loyalty program, which was just totally revamped. It's one of the more generous ones in the industry. So, they can use that to market. They know where I live. And they can now say, hey, there's a casino 45 minutes down the road. Would you like to go to the Japanese restaurant there? We've seen you eat. You've eaten there before. Uh, how about go? And oh, by the way, here's 50% off tickets for, uh, you know, I don't know, Comedian X that you like. So, there's a lot of ability to manipulate people. I know that if it's not like Consumer Electronics Show, I don't pay for a room in Vegas at the lesser Caesar hotels. And I'm not some like big ticket gambler. So, their ability to say, hey, it's a Wednesday night. Do you want to go stay at this property? That's pretty strong, and adding all these states to it makes their loyalty program a lot more appealing. It's another one of those sneaky tech companies, <laughs> like you just you you know, in the same way that for years Domino's was this sneaky tech company because they were doing such an amazing job at their mobile app. The good thing is Caesars actually has a nice product compared to Domino's. We've talked about this before, but Domino's whole business was you will convenient pizza is better than good pizza. <laughs> In this case, convenient passable pizza. Right. In this case, Caesars actually has a nice casino. If you're in Vegas, Caesars has everything from sort of the lower rent casinos to the upscale. Like, I know I'm perfectly happy staying at Harrah's or the Link, but when we're there in October, Matt's wife is coming, so we're going to stay at Harris for the point we're there, and then he's going to go stay at you know one of the nice Caesars branded properties once his wife comes. That'll cost him as opposed to the completely comped, but they really have the full circle of stuff. And you talked about the tech side. We don't know where we're going with like gambling and apps and sort of the the can you place a sports bet from your phone two years from now? If that happens, it's going to be very logical to tie it into existing casino companies. 
One more sign that Matt Frankel's a smart man. <laughs> uh, let's move over to the burger industry. A couple things going on. Uh, McDonald's announced that sales of the quarter pounder have risen 30% since the company switched from frozen patties to fresh beef. And you have to believe that on some level, the, the, the people who run Five Guys, Shake Shack, Culver, like all these other <laughs> burger businesses that have been using uh, fresh beef for a long time have just been. It's the first time they're sort of rolling their eyes. like, yeah, no kidding. We already knew this. It's the first time in a decade they've gained burger share. Now, there's no statistic for burger share. So they're telling you this, but that's a very soft kind of number. But yeah, who would think make your product less terrible and more passable? Because we both have kids. There is a certain point in the age of most kids where McDonald's has to be part of your repertoire, whether that's just in an airport where they're not going to eat anything else that's available, or it's 5:30. There's homework to do. There's and you're just stopping at McDonald's. So to be able to offer mom and dad a slightly passable, less terrible burger, because I know my kid won't go to Five Guys because he won't eat a cheeseburger. He wants chicken McNuggets or some variation of you know fried chicken things. So there's a lot of places that aren't available to us. If as a parent I had to go to a McDonald's, well at least I could get a burger that's not like a gray circle. Couple this with the fact that in the past week shares of Beyond Meat have fallen nearly 30%. And I look at it and I think yeah, it still seems outrageously priced, <laughs> but I'm curious where you think all of this is going because you know part of this McDonald's story was um, a conversation with one of their spokespeople about this industry. It's sort of the the non meat burger, which McDonald's is already doing in Germany. They have said publicly, we don't have any current plans to roll this out beyond Germany. But I have to believe that they are watching it closely. So they will, but it's a supply issue. Uh, Beyond Meat cannot supply McDonald's right now. That that again, I'm not speaking for them. Maybe they can, but I wouldn't. I'm not speaking for them either, and I know they can't. So I, I, this is McDonald's we're talking. I about. would assume that McDonald's is talking with the various players in that space. And they're figuring out when they can roll this out because you cannot seed this to Burger King. Now, I've talked about this on the various shows. I actually think the fake burger, it's kind of like every restaurant had a gluten free menu for a while and dropped it. Or you go in and you're like, can I get the gluten free bread? And they're like, do we have that in the back? Like, is it? So I don't think the person who wants a meatless burger is seeking out McDonald's or Burger King. I think it's a convenience for when they have to be there. That doesn't speak to me of something that's going to be on the menu six months from now. This feels like something that's going to fall off. Not that there's not a huge demand for it, but that demand is going to be at nicer places. But the counter to that is the example that you used with your son, where it's, well, we can't go to McDonald's because they don't have the meatless version that so and so wants, and you know when you're on a road trip, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, they got it now. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think the market demand for a fresh meat burger from someone who was begrudgingly going to McDonald's is a lot higher than the demand for a meatless burger. And I go back to every time McDonald's has tried to make healthy salads a focus, it doesn't work, <laughs> and. Two years later, they come out and say, hey, it turns out people don't want to come here for healthy. 
healthy. I don't think a product's going to work if it isn't luring a certain amount of people off the street. And I think those people are always going to choose Chipotle or places that are just sort of more naturally meatless options and maybe a little snobby better. There's probably a correlation between vegan and snobby some of the time, not to be too much of a jerk, but I I think there might be a little disdain for McDonald's in that crowd. I think think food snobs come in all stripes and sizes. There are are pizza snobs. I'm a little bit of a bagel snob, which is, you know, there was a a great piece in the Washington Post uh, over the weekend about uh, great casual restaurants in the D.C. area, and one of them is this relatively new place in Washington, D.C. It's a bagel place, and it's called Call Your Mother. And the write-up of the Washington Post said, uh, in New York City, bagels are a religion. In Washington, D.C., bagels are a prayer, as in, I wish to God I could find a good bagel somewhere in this city. Well, don't come to Florida. Florida is the land of your mother from New England or New York overnights you bagels. Uh, Just to wrap up on this, I, I, I don't want to overlook the point you made about the supply chain, because it's worth remembering that McDonald's is such a large business than it that it has in the past and will probably continue in the future to single-handedly sway the beef market just in terms of beef as a commodity and beef prices McDonald's has that power and so yes the, once they decide we're going to flip this switch even if it's just on a McRib level test where we're just going to test it for one month that is still going to be a massive order for someone to fulfill. And if whether it's Beyond Meat or someone else or some combination thereof, and it just gets branded as a McDonald's meatless burger, whoever steps up to do that, they better nail it. It's a tough call. Because if you remember a couple years ago, they did the Mighty Wing. I don't. So they 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 tested chicken wings. Okay. And it was a national rollout, and that actually forced Buffalo Wild Wings to offer deal prices on boneless wings because the price of wings went up. So they were running all their promotions around boneless wings because McDonald's single handedly caused the market. And then when they got out of it, they actually had a huge surplus. So they kept them on the menu without promotion just to get rid of, I guess they had a lot of frozen wings somewhere. So yeah, absolutely. They can completely change how everything goes in this entire industry. Still won't make Beyond Meat worth its current valuation. (laughs) Quick shout out to NetSuite. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business, and the problem that a lot of growing businesses have, the thing that keeps them from knowing their numbers is the, in some cases, bizarre combination of business systems that they have. They've got one for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and it's a big, inefficient mess. Takes up too much time and too many resources, and that is what hurts the bottom line. So, we want to introduce NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control that you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, HR, all of it instantly right from your desktop or phone. And that is why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, They're offering you valuable insights with a free guide. It's free! It's called Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. You can get it at netsuite.com slash fool. That's netsuite.com slash fool. Download your free guide, The Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. netsuite.com slash fool. 
Toy Story 4 had a disappointing weekend, and disappointing is in air quotes. I, I put it in air quotes. It's in actual quotes because every story I saw this morning about the opening weekend for Toy Story 4 talked about how taking in Nearly $240 million worldwide was a disappointment. It's the highest opening for an animated movie ever, globally. <laughs> globally. So, here's the thing. So, Toy Story 4 is the forequel to a movie that came out long enough ago that the original audience is taking their kids. Right. Like, so, this is a stupendous opening. The reason it's being perceived as disappointing is because it isn't front-loaded in the U.S., because the timing of the release wasn't Fourth of July weekend. If you look at the $138 million it made in the U.S. this week, it will probably make $90 million or something like that next week. And when you're sitting at the end of week two, which for most people, this will be a four-day weekend. You've got a Thursday, Fourth of July. Even people who go to work Friday, they're not working that hard. So, there is a lot of opportunity to see this movie. And again, when did Toy Story 3 come out? A decade ago? It's it was less than that. I, I want to say it was like 2012, 2013, something like that. But yeah, I mean the the, the span of time to your point is 20 more than 20 years. So th- this is a movie that people remember nostalgically. They're taking their kids. Adults are going to see it just out of fondness. There isn't Avengers level pressure to go see this on opening night because you're not getting any answers. You wanted to see Avengers because you need to know like, does Hawkeye die? Does uh, how does it all end? Right. What happens to Iron Man? Can Spider Man fly now? Like, what's going on? In this, there's no big cliffhangers. I am pretty sure the uh, the space guy played by Tim Allen. <laughs> nothing major happens to him. I've never seen these movies. Really? Toy Story three was the Second most bored I've ever been in a movie. The most bored is Up, a movie where wow. nothing happens. Oh my goodness! I thought I thought you had a soul, Dan. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I am not in the target audience for these films. Like, like again, I have a kid. I've seen most of them. I liked Cars, the original one. That that one basically had the Rocky plot. So you know that makes me cry. Whether it's Air Bud or Rocky or Cars, it 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 always works every time. But to say this movie is a disappointment. What would have made you happy? Bigger than Avengers? It's on track to do $900 million to a billion dollars at the box office. There is no such thing as a $900 million disappointment. I'm still flummoxed by the fact that you cried at Air Bud, but you, <laughs> but, you, but you think Toy Story 3 is... I probably cried at Air Bud 6, Let's Go Bud, or whatever it was wow. called. Um, yeah, it, it is pretty amazing to, uh, to think about how well the Pixar division of Disney has performed for so long that this kind of box office is viewed as a disappointment. Um, but to, to your point, I do think that this is the sort of thing. I mean, this is. I I went and saw Toy Story three opening weekend when my kids were younger. They're obviously older now. I thought about going this weekend and just didn't really wasn't able to make it work. But I also know that this is a movie that I will see in the theater this summer because at least one day this summer it's going to rain. It's like whether you know when I go on vacation next week or whatever it is. And this is one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, this 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 has the longer tail. Oh, and here's the thing: I don't want to see it. My kid is 15 and he doesn't want to see it. And I'd say there's a 
75% chance we see it for exactly <laughs> the reason, because there's going to be a Wednesday afternoon where it's pouring, where we've already intentionally seen all the movies we want to see, where it's like, fine, let's just go see Toy Story 4. Like, How bad could it be? By the way, I watched uh, last week, because I love movie previews, I watched the, uh, there's a preview for, remember Trolls, the animated movie? I, yes. Okay. Yeah. They've made a sequel to that. I, I've seen the trailer. Which is, and I just thought, oh God, this, this, this should be shown to anyone who thinks Toy Story 4 is a disappointment because it's like, yeah, uh, sequels are hard, animated sequels are hard, and if you don't think they're hard, uh, just check out two and a half minutes of the Trolls sequel. So when I that saw that looks like a dumpster fire. When and I saw the Trolls trailer, a colorful animated dumpster fire. I actually had to look up whether it was a sequel or not. <laughs> the Trolls movie was so forgettable. Though the one I've got my hopes picked up uh, Based on is Sony has the Peeps movie coming out later this year. So really, I, there's again, a Peeps movie. They could have moved it back, but that's what it was originally slated for. Yes, that's because when you think of characters with personalities, you think the Peeps. We're talking about the marshmallow. The candy. marshmallow candy. <laughs> so. You know what? I'm not going to bet against that because as long as there are college students and a growing market for marijuana and marijuana marijuana-based products, I feel like there's hope for the Peeps movie. I don't know. It just feels like we're trying to make anything an animated movie, and like. Can't the Flintstones get a movie? Like, why does Scooby Doo always have to be like direct to video? Like, it feels like there's some great animated properties out there, and we're trying to like force feed a Captain Crunch movie. Like, just. But it is interesting to see how you have some studios that are saying, let's, oh, we bought the rights to Peeps. We have that brand, we own that brand now. We're going to option a movie out of that and just build it out of nothing. Whereas Disney is basically taking past hit. Animated movies and saying, let's roll the dice with live action. They've got Lion King coming out uh, later this year. I think in 2020, a live action ver- version of Mulan is coming out. Yep. So it is interesting to see how different businesses react. It, it makes a lot more sense to me than Angry Birds 3. <laughs> as long as a movie makes money, there will be pressure for a sequel. Dan Klein, always good talking to you. Thanks for making the trip. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.